Hello and welcome to A Day Of, a podcast about Biffy Clyro. My name is Simon Dowling. So I'm talking to John Teggett, who is a friend from Newcastle, who has played in a few local bands, one called Threadbare. Um, for my birthday a few years ago, I did uh, I hosted a, a charity night for Shelter, and all of the bands that night played Biffy Clyro covers for me to sing. And uh, John's band and I sang questions and answers together, but we're not talking about questions and answers tonight, although we realised maybe that would have been better. Probably. Um, yeah, we're going to discuss Scary Mary. Um, but before we get into that, uh, John, can you kind of tell me about your relationship with Biffy Clyro when you discovered them and and uh, and what you like about them? Yeah, sure. Um, so Biffy Clyro, I feel like they're one of them bands that have just like always been there to a degree because like when I first started getting into music when I was like 12, 13, they were all over MTV too. So it was like um, Glitter and Trauma. Um, what's the other single off of Infinity Lines? Re-Injection. Yes. And so like th- them two, you couldn't get away from the video where they were all in the little cars going down the hill. Um, yes, yeah. And like, yeah, they were just like, they were one of them bands that were always just around. And I remember hearing some of the songs and being like, oh, these are cool. And then like, I think I got a copy of infinity land and then put it on then like there's no such thing as a jaggy snake was like the heaviest thing that i'd ever heard of in my life and i was like yeah this is crazy what's this band um and then i decided to be a goth for like three years and just listen to like him exclusively um (laughs) And then, like, I mean, that's a loose, loose definition of goth. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I did, I did, I had the long black hair, and I, I wore a lot of black clothes, and then got into like My Chemical Romance, and like gradually did the normal segue of getting from that into like more real emo music, and then I kind of got back into Biffy through that. Um, yeah. So like, they'd always been there, and I'd always like appreciated what they were doing. Um, but it wasn't until like I really started listening to Black and Sky that I fully kind of appreciated them. Um, and I still like Black and Sky is probably still in my top ten albums of all time. Um, even though I probably don't listen to it as much as I should. And yeah, it's I think just listening to that, and because I was in starting to get into like bands like Mineral and Sunny Day Real Estate, and like understanding that Biffy were really heavily influenced by that. Um, yeah, and that that would probably be about when I guess Puzzle was coming out in like two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. So then, obviously, you had um. What's it? The why well, can't I remember any of the song names? Um. What's the spot? Saturday Superhouse. Yes, Saturday Superhouse was coming out, and I remember going to see them at the O2 Academy just at when they were touring that album. So this is before they were the arena band they are now. Um, and they opened with Saturday Superhouse, and it was really cool. Um, and I, I really liked Puzzle when it came out as well. I thought it was a bit different. Um, and I thought, like, that was when they really started to hit the poppy stride, wasn't it? Like, yeah, it was... I mean, I've, there's, I've been writing the Infinity Land episodes, and there is an argument to make that really Infinity Land is also a pop album. But, like, yeah, I think... Yeah, Puzzle Puzzle's obviously the first major label release still. Yeah. 
and there was the big push for them to be like a singles band and they were on you know their music was on match of the day and stuff so it was definitely (laughs) were they on a fifa soundtrack at any point yes Something off the last off ellipsis, maybe Wolves oh. of Winter. Oh, was really? FIFA soundtrack, I, I believe. Yeah, I can just imagine like Saturday Superhouse being on like the loading screen of a FIFA game quite easily. So, Infinity Land is it, it like, don't get me wrong, there's some poppy songs on there. Um, but I think that was like their last real MTV2 album. Yes, it's the 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 angular songs, yeah, number the non angular songs yeah. on Infinity. And the time signatures get a bit straighter from from puzzle on. Yeah, like. I mean they still play, they still do mess around with all that stuff, but like they're definitely not the uh, mathy band that they once were at one point. Yeah, I mean have you have you have you followed their like trajectory? Have you listened to the newer albums? So you, I like most of us kind of bow out a little bit. I really like. I think only Revolutions is still quite a good album. Um, I like the captain a lot. I like um I like uh what's the second song again? That rule. The golden rule. Um then I like I don't even mind many of horror and mountains. I think they're both like they're good songs in their own right. Um and I think horses is actually one of the best biffy songs that they've ever done. I mean I, I, I agree. In in a in an episode I've already recorded, I talk about the fact that uh looking Every every year, as we move away from the albums that I began to dislike, I just like them more. And Horses being a standout, I think it is 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 without a doubt one of the best Biffy Clyro songs ever. Yeah, it's just such a big song. It just builds. So like, I think Bubble like Bubbles is a good song because it really builds that. But then I think Horses just like it just keeps going and going and going. And the fact that like it just ends so big, and I think yeah. That's the last song on the album normally, but then I think on Spotify now there's a song after it. So, yeah. And then um, I, I pretty much fell off the wagon with them, as I imagine a lot of uh, you probably did as well. Yeah, I mean, I, st- I still bought and listened to the albums, but they certainly didn't become like staples in my in my rotations. I think I'd moved on to Manchester Orchestra, yeah, um, and and Frightened Rabbit a bit more, yeah. When it when it came to like you know, 2011 onwards. So, yeah, but I mean, I, I still love them, but it certainly got more difficult to be a Biffy Clyro fan yes. when I was kind of moulded by Vertigo of Bliss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that this is really strange, like, that obviously I listened to this uh, Alkaline Trio podcast because they're a very similar band to that where their, like, first four albums had a really big following and then people, like, they just seemed to lose all the fan base. Yeah, not obviously didn't lose all the fan base, but yeah, people started yeah, a, to fall off. So you mentioned seeing them in two thousand and well, that that show was in two thousand seven in January. Did you uh, Google that? Or did you just know that? No, I, I I did Google it, but I do remember it being uh, the day after my wife's birthday. Okay, because um, I think it, it it might have landed on a, on a weekend when I probably should have been doing something with uh, with her, but went to see Biffy Clyro, as was my want at the time. Um, is that the only time that you've seen Biffy? Or... Uh, no, I saw them in Newcastle University. Um, yeah. It will have been just after Puzzle Kit. No, so it was it was Frank Frank Turner supported them, um, oh. and. It was his first ever solo UK tour. So Million Dead had only just broken up. 
and I don't know whether they were touring the Infinity Land or if it was like just after Puzzle and then they went and toured Puzzle again after they kind of really blew up from it. Yeah, they, I mean, they did, they did, they played Newcastle for Puzzle three times. Wow. Because um, they did, yeah, they did the Academy. Yeah. Pre, pre-Puzzle and then the University Show, which was post-Puzzle. Yeah. And then in the arena and, show. No, then they did the Academy again, but that was the Kerrang tour. Ah, right, okay. So the oh no, sorry, yeah. So the shows you saw, you saw them November the eleventh, two thousand seven, and May two thousand seven. So that was the uni and the academy. Yeah. So yeah. the the uni one was really good. I went to that with my mom and my sister, of all people. Yes. Um, I mean your sister also a big alternative music fan. Yeah, who's probably seen Biffy more times than I have, I'd imagine. I think I actually went to the o, the, the O2 Academy one with her as well. And then I'm pretty sure I've seen them at Leeds Festival twice because they seem to play Leeds Festival every year. Yeah, they played, if you went, they played 2008 and they... I think it might have been 2010 was the first time I saw them, but I might be wrong. Yeah, so that was... That was main stage. Yeah, Simon. Simon looked like Santa Claus. Yeah, with the big bleached hair. He threw he threw a speaker off the stage. Yeah, in disgust. Yes, I, I do remember well. that show incredibly well. Yeah, I think the last time I saw them was they opened for Sunny Day Real Estate in in London. In London, the rescheduled show yeah. because of the Ashburn. because Saves the Day were meant to open and then they couldn't. And then it was like super special opener. And I remember standing outside the venue like an hour before it started and hearing Biffy playing acoustically and being like, oh, it's Biffy Clyro supporting. Because like you can, own... there's only one band that sounds like Biffy Clyro, even acoustically. I think I got stuck in New York. I got stuck somewhere because of the Ash Cloud. So I would have I would have missed the show anyway. Yeah. But then, then the rescheduled date I couldn't go to. And then they announced that Biffy, my favorite band in the world, <laughs> were yeah. the support. They announced it, it was like great. an hour before yeah. the gig as well, didn't they? Yeah, um, and I was I was a, a very heartbroken that I've still never seen Sunny Day Real Estate. But I mean, they only played about seven songs, didn't they? Sunny Day Real Estate. Yeah, it was a... but it was seven of the best songs ever. I'm not going <laughs> to rub it in. <laughs> it was, you know, seven appropriate yeah. seven songs. Yeah, but um, yeah, seven of the best songs ever written. But yeah, sadly, sadly, I've never seen them and probably, probably won't now. But... I don't think so. But the Biffy, <laughs> the Biffy set was really cool because, like, you know, like they were big by that point. But Simon, they came on, just said like, we're we're a band called Biffy Clyro. We're just gonna play a few songs and then we're gonna have the best night of our entire lives. And it's like it was nice yeah. to just see them really like fanboying over Sony Day Real Estate as much as everyone else there was. The acoustic is a is just as thrilling an experience, I think, seeing seeing Biffy um as well as as well as full band. Obviously full band gives you like a lot more power and it, you know, you get to throw yourself about. But I've had many, many acoustic experiences with Biffy that have been just as just as wonderful as as the, the full band show. Where have you seen them acoustically? Oof, so I have seen them um, how many times have you seen Biffy live? 35. 35? How? <laughs> yeah, 35. Did, did you um, go see them when they played at Stockton Calling? Where were they playing yeah. back then? Surely it must have been even smaller than like Newcastle University because they were tiny. Um, no, it was a, a variety because I, I only got into them just after Vertigo of Bliss. Vertigo of Bliss had come out. Yeah. So I 
I mostly saw them at like unis and and kind of that that size that kind of cap venue around yeah. the country. I've seen them in like kind of one of those. It's like name a city other than Birmingham, and I've seen Biffy there basically. Would you just travel uh, around the country to go see them as much as you could? Yeah, I got a student loan and spent my student loan on going to see Biffy, and then basically got a job to cover the fact that I didn't have a student loan. <laughs> Fair. Spent it on seeing Biffy, yeah. So I saw them. I probably, I think, I hit, uh, I hit twenty-five shows by the end of the Infinity Land tour. Wow. Uh, or well, yeah, kind of between Infinity Land and Puzzle. So probably by the end of two thousand and seven, I'd seen them twenty-five times, and then it's slowed down since then. Because um, they've started playing bigger shows and yeah, big, bigger shows. They've, they haven't played Newcastle since. Well, they've only played Newcastle Arena since then. You know, they, they wouldn't. Yeah. The good thing about Biffy is that you'd see them, you know, several times on an album tour in your city because they'd come supporting someone. They'd come with a Kerrang tour. They'd come, you know, they were yeah, they were proper workhorses. But that did, you know. And then I was at Union Leeds, so I would see them every time they played Leeds. And then I had friends in Manchester, so I Manchester. And then Glasgow was an obvious choice. So yeah, yeah it was like, um, but that it took me, it took me probably another five or six years to hit thirty shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since then, it's been a slow, a slow march to, uh, <laughs> to thirty-five, <laughs> um, which includes seeing them like twice in a day uh, at Kingston. But acoustically, I've seen them at um, no, the, with the Kingston one. Sorry, was that the Banquet Records? Oh yes, sorry. Yeah, the, the two, the twice in a day was the Kingston yeah. uh, Rose Bowl or whatever yeah. shows, Rose Theatre shows. Um, but I've seen them at the Union Chapel twice. I've seen them. Uh yeah, I've, I think that might be the the top of me seeing them acoustically. But yeah, I've just I've just I've seen them probably five or six times acoustically, and then twenty nine, twenty eight times or whatever. <laughs> the band, but I mean that I mean, it leads us quite quite well on to the the acoustic song from Black and Sky. It's not really an acoustic um, song. No, it's... but it's it's the closest yeah we'll get to to an acoustic song. Yeah, I mean, obviously, "Breathe Her" the B side, which is a straight up acoustic song, but you know, "Scary Mary" is the it's the ballad, the closer of, of guy. Yeah. Well, Christopher's River as well, but well, that's another episode. Yes, I have. That was that was first dance at my wedding. So, oh, that, lovely. That gets, it gets discussed in in not as much depth as you would think for it being the first. <laughs> <laughs> And so, so what do you what do you think about the song "Scary Mary" and its kind of context in in Black and Sky? Uh, I think it's 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 a really good song, and I really enjoy it. And it's always been it's been, always been one that I really like. And I think it's got like it's quite a, a vulnerable song for Simon. Um, I know that there's plenty more Biffy songs that I like that later on, but then. I know, and I know I listened to your episode about 27. I know that that song's kind of about like his girlfriend at the time. And yeah. there's a lot of like emotional, I'm doing air quotes there, like emotional material <laughs> on the album. Um, but I also think Simon, like, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but like he tells a great story. Um, and I often wonder whether his songs are in first person or if he's singing from someone else's perspective, because I think he great, he, he's, he's a good songwriter because he paints a good picture. Yeah, I mean, I think is Black and Sky is probably the most easy to understand. Yes. Is, is lyrics get a lot more 
uh, abstract as as the years progress, but he has moved back towards writing kind of straighter yeah. and easier to understand lyrics. But I, I I kind of agree with you. So when I've been writing, re-listening to them, and um, what like writing about the lyrics for the podcast, I found myself with Black and Sky. I did constantly refer to the kind of I or the me in the songs as Simon. Yeah, but. But as I've as I've progressed, I've started to kind of maybe suspect suspect that less. Like I've started yeah. to say, like the subject of the song, because you know the, the 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 songs get a lot weirder. Yeah, especially um, in like Infinity Land and yeah, where it's just kind of garbled words and yeah. <laughs> it's like I think at some point I bring up the fact that it sounds a bit like that letter that Joey writes in Friends, where he uses. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. But I, I agree with you that with Black and Sky, I think he's definitely singing from, uh, you know, a personal experience, and perhaps yeah. Scary Mary is is an example of that. In that it's you know it's it's a song about a relationship and yeah. someone, you know, it's it's pissed them off, and it's a breakup song. But um, yeah, it's, I think it's definitely Simon's experience is, is 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 painting the picture here. It's a really good closing song, though, because I feel like it's like it's a good like breakup song, but it's also like, well, I, I'm broken up. It sucks, but I'm also like moving on from it. Um, yeah, which I think that's always like a nice the the best album closes and like I know you can't talk about them anymore, but like thinking of like the the brand new ones. And like, yes, their acoustic album endings generally like it's like a reflection. I'm moving on now, um, and I think Scary Mary's a really good ex- example it's, of it's that. A, a palate cleanser. Yes, it is. I think, yeah, I mean, obviously, the the last line being like, "Give time to your heart, give time to your soul, release them all," is like is a is a wonderful last line yes. for an album. And how how old um, was he when he wrote that? Well, the, the the songs were all kind of written between like ninety eight and two thousand and two. Yeah. Um, but there's no. I know "Just Boy" was a fairly early song, mm-hmm. but the, the, there's no way to track other than other than from whether they were played kind of live before. I can't imagine they were playing "Scary Mary" live before it got to record. They they played yeah they did they played really? it a few times in two thousand and one yeah. Oh. Um, they played it at like radio sessions in in two thousand and one, yeah. which you know a, a good six months before the album came out. So, so it came well, out in two thousand and one. It came out in two thousand two. And how old Simon was Simon then? Ooh, now you're testing me. Um, he was late forties now. Yeah, he was born in seventy nine because he was in nineteen ninety nine when they kind of started writing so, songs. So he, he was, was twenty. Born. So he was he was. Yeah, twenty when they were writing songs. So, two thousand and one, he'd been twenty-two. So let, let, let's say for a twenty-two-year-old to be writing songs like that, that's still like pretty profound. Like I'm thirty now, and I couldn't come up with like a profound like message <laughs> yeah. of self-love and and moving on as much as he did there. So a lot of respect to him for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a it's a very evocative song. It's like there's a lot of darkness throughout the the album. But then the end of the songs always have this like really hopeful message. Yeah, like the end of Just Boy in Fifty Seven, and yeah, they always... exactly. They always, always lift you back up from whatever kind of darkness they've, they've thrown at you. Yeah, and I think Scary Mary's another song that 
that does the same. I mean, you're, you're talking about like bodies in rivers at yeah. the start and, you, you know, he says shit, which is like, it's quite visceral for a song that sounds like it's sonically so like mellow and, yeah. and beautiful. Um, and he sounds yeah. so nice when he says shit as well. <laughs> it doesn't sound yeah. like he's swearing. But... Well, because one of my kind of criticisms of Black and Sky is that he doesn't use his voice properly. He sounds too American at times. But Scary Mary's kind of... He sounds Scottish. He sounds Scottish, but it's just him and a guitar, you know? Yeah. You know, perhaps towards the end, he sounds a bit more American. But yeah, he certainly says shit instead of like (laughs) shit. Um, Yeah, it's very very good at that. Yeah, I think like it's the... When the second guitar comes at the end as well, that's like... I think I was listening to it through headphones just before this. I listened to it like two or three times and there's a few... There's definitely like two guitars going on as well as the third guitar playing during the end. And there's one yeah. of them that does like a little really high up jump. Um, it like descends down the neck a little bit. Um, and just like little things like that, just kind of it, it changes from being like a very minory start to just having like a really nice major ending. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very strange song for. Uh, for for Biffy Clyro, you know what I mean. It's just four it's, four. It's a like, very straight song, but it's fucking hard to learn how to play on guitar because there is like the riff doesn't seem to ever last. Like he seems to change what he's playing like nearly every other line, and it's not yeah. like I know it's got a verse, chorus, verse, ending structure to it, but it's really genuinely difficult. I I can never learn to play that song on guitar. It's uh, one of the songs that like demonstrates Simon's ability to throw his fingers into uncomfortable positions on on the fretboard. Yeah. Um, which comes from his, his like years as a as a violin player. Yeah. Um, obviously I I've, I in my in my busking days would play Scary Mary. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I was probably playing it a bit emptier than Simon ever did. What tuning um, did you play in? I always played it in drop D. I was just looking at the tabs before as well and it said that it's in Dad's Fishad. Oh really? Um, yeah, which oh, I find yeah, the, the little F sharp thrown yeah. in there. Which I find weird because like that's a tuning that a lot of like emo bands started using in like the early two thousand and tens when that started coming back around. It's just funny if Biffy Clyro actually used that like all the way back in two thousand and one. Yeah. yeah. Same I mean obviously he, he listened to a lot of nineties emo, so yeah. there might be the odds far or mineral song or whatever that's that's in that in that tune. I mean that there, there that's an example. I played it in drop D, so I was playing it wrong from the start <laughs> um yeah did you ever find it hard to sing over the strumming pattern as well because i think the strumming pattern's like so it, it, am... it's it's repetitive but it's like it's a really awk like the way the rhythm he's singing and the strumming pattern's very different i am i imagine i just played it as i wanted to play it you know what i mean as as is, as I imagine, 90% of people when they do an acoustic cover of a song yeah. will just play in a, you know, comfortably. I imagine I did it did exactly that. It's a really, it's it's an interest, like he does a lot with just one guitar in his voice in that song. Yeah, absolutely. And if you like, if you meant, if you put it up against like songs like Machines and like, I think Machines is not, like is a really good song. Um, but considering that's like, seven or eight years later maybe and he's he he could write that when he was that young and still be able to like 
evoke as much emotion as he did in a song that's about his mother who died and yeah. all the other shit that was going on in his life at the minute. Like, yeah, he's he's a talented guy. I uh, just like Gary Barlow wrote a million love songs when he was fifteen. Simon, Simon Neil was banging out Scary Mary when he was, you know, between nineteen and nineteen and twenty-two. Do Do you know who Scary Mary is? Because you seem to know all the trivia about Biffy. I I actually don't. There's a few. I Scary Mary sounds like it would be a classic kind of Glasgow local personality. If you know yeah, what I mean. That's what I, I'm thinking. It's someone who sits on the number the number twenty-seven bus. Yeah, precisely. Uh, and she, she wear she has she doesn't she she has lots of hair. The you know the the scary guy in Home Alone. Yeah. The, the neighbor who they're scared of, but is actually a sweetheart. Yeah. Or, or, well, I probably should have used Home Alone too as an example. Yeah. With the the pigeon lady. Yeah. Um, that, that's exactly who comes to my mind. Yeah, a, a Limmy character basically. <laughs> <laughs> She's yeah. on the bus to Yorker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I mean, we'll we'll leave it there. Thanks for thanks for joining me to no, talk okay. about uh, to talk about Scary Mary and I've enjoyed uh, deep diving into a song. It's been nice yeah. to listen to. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't listen to Black and Sky enough, so it was nice to actually sit and listen to that song three times with headphones on because yeah, you, I mean, you forget. I mean, doing this podcast, I have destroyed my Spotify recommended playlists by exclusively listening to Biffy for. But basically, well, since like August when I decided to to start doing this, so I need to give the all like the the middle stuff a bit more of a try, even just yeah. like Infinity Land, just because I I did it was the songs used to be around that much when I was younger that I just kind of didn't go back to them as much, but I feel like I should give them the attention. Yeah, you, I mean, you definitely should, especially with with an album like Infinity Land. It's it is it, it's it's basically like wall to wall masterpieces, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure I do. Yeah, <laughs> but it's been lovely talking to you about Biffy yes. and just in general as well, Simon. Yeah, stay safe. You too. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you. See you later. Bye, Simon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day Of. My name's Simon Dowling. You can follow on Twitter at A Day Of Podcast and you can email adayoffpodcast at gmail.com and please leave reviews on iTunes or wherever if you fancy it. You can also send in voice notes at anchor.fm slash adayof and you can also find links there to the podcast on all the different platforms. Again, thank you for listening.